With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm not even wrestling the big show. This whole thing's a charade. My match is with the hippo float from the Macy's parade. So it's time to get a championship to match these custom knucks. Madison Square, chant it loud, baby! Big Show sucks! Welcome in to WrestleMania Rewind, part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Phil Mackie and Declan Goff, the resident wrestling nerds of this show. And also welcome to not only WrestleMania 20, but welcome to the end of Jim Ross's voice, apparently. Yeah. Good old JR was letting it sling there for about five straight years during the Attitude Era. And Which was funny because last WrestleMania, Michael Cole's voice was basically shot by yes. like the second to last match, too. So I guess I guess it's a theme when you go four and a half hours. Yep. When we start to get into the, the four-plus-hour WrestleManias, these guys weren't quite used to that long in the, uh, in the broadcast stanchion. So WrestleMania 20, March 14th, 2004, Madison Square Garden, 18,500 fans. And uh, this this marked the third time at Madison Square Garden for WrestleMania, WrestleMania one, WrestleMania ten, and WrestleMania twenty. And the theme for this WrestleMania, the, first of all, it started with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon was like kind of a babyface, like, hey, you know, it's, yeah. you thank the crowd and everything, and it was where it all begins again. Was uh, was the tagline for this to kick off another ten years of the WWE? So. Um, so many things to get to. Let's let's just run down the card real quick here, and then we can kind of go back and and touch on some themes. So, 
This was the WrestleMania debut of John Cena, as you heard off the top. The doctor of thugonomics. He beat the big show for the United States Championship, his first major championship in the WWE. He got him up for the FU, too. Oh, yeah. Or the at, or is it the attitude adjustment? At, at this they, time, it was the FU still. Yeah, so okay. at least. They were trying to be a little bit more PG well, later you on. You had Booker T and Rob Van Dam over Dudley Boys, over Garrison Cade and Mark Jindrak, and La Resistance, Rene oh, Dupree yeah. and Rob Conway. Some really obscure tag teams in here for the World Tag Team Championships. Christian over Jericho in a fun feud that revolved around Trish Stratus. You had Evolution, at least the three members of Evolution, not named Triple H, defeating the Rock and Sock Connection. That was the Rock's last WrestleMania match for years. Tori Wilson and Sable over Miss Jackie and Stacey Keebler in a Playboy evening gown, basically a softcore Point. match. Yep. So <laughs> um, that was a thing. I mean, they were just like, I can't even describe it. Like at one point, Stacey Keebler was like, Getting into the ring over the second rope and then like grinding the second rope and just letting the camera yeah. <laughs> with an interesting angle of how she was getting in. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chavo Guerrero over this was a cruiserweight open match. Chavo Guerrero won it. We'll just say that. I loved it. Goldberg over Brock Lesnar. There's a lot of meat on that bone. Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati for the other tag championships, the WWE tag championships over the APA. This is kind of the end of the run for the APA. Uh, the Basham brothers and the world's greatest tag team, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Victoria over Molly Holly for the WWE Women's Championship. Eddie Guerrero over Kurt Angle in an amazing match yep. for the WWE Championship. Undertaker over Kane. And then Chris Benoit defeating Triple H and Shawn Michaels, the main event of this for the World Heavyweight Championship. What stood out the most to you about WrestleMania 20? This is just a phenomenal card up and down. Um, I think the thing that stands up, the most is the fact that you basically got two guys over and this was their peak moment. So Benoit Guerrero, veterans in their own retrospect of the WCW, some some troubled past. And it's hard to really now, I think, like evaluate and appreciate Chris Benoit just because of what happened and how he left this earth. And obviously Eddie Guerrero passed away from a heart attack about a year and a half later after this too. Yeah. So it, it's it's heartbreaking in two completely different senses. <laughs> Um, but basically it was one of the rare WrestleManias you had two undercards who had never really been in the main event status get pushed over the top. And yeah. I think that's pretty unique because you really haven't, you, you, there was only one belt too. So obviously there was only really one guy to get over, but now with the brand splits and two different major championships, you had two guys who were, who had paid their dues tenfold that they put over, which was really cool to see. Cause I don't really don't think you, you really won't see this again at another WrestleMania, and you haven't seen it since. So it, it, that's what I really think is really cool about it. So, all right, here's my hot take on this. All right, I have, I have, this is one of the the four WrestleManias that I have never seen straight through until watching this back. I've seen parts of it. I've watched the main event before. But just watching this back, the thing that I think buzz kills this WrestleMania a little bit is that I think this main event should have been Shawn Michaels versus Triple H or maybe the one the previous year. I think Triple H versus Shawn Michaels should have been a WrestleMania main event. Hmm. And they kind of did it here. They kind of made it about, like, this has been a a year and a half feud between these two guys since Shawn Michaels came back. But really, it's like a seven-year, eight-year friendship and feud. And it's all culminating. And even, like, they put Chris Benoit through the table toward the end of the match outside the ring. Yeah. And, And then it was like, all right, now it's Shawn Michaels and Triple H. But it was Chris Benoit's moment. 
And like in retrospect, obviously it's easy to say, yeah, Chris Benoit probably didn't need the moment. Yeah. And if you go back, it's funny when you go back to WWE Network, they actually whitewash him from everything. Like mm-hmm. he's not on any of the the artwork for any of the pay-per-views. And then when you look at the descriptions of the pay-per-views, at least the thumbnail descriptions, it doesn't include his name. Yeah. It says like it says like Triple H enters as the champion for right. a for a With, you know triple threat match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they've done they've done everything they can to whitewash him as much as possible from WWE history. And so knowing what we know, it even adds to my point. Like I think Triple H versus Shawn Michaels should have been a main event at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But then watching the crowd reaction to Chris Benoit winning, it was clearly the right decision in the moment because the the fans were salivating over an underdog or someone new. I think they had just seen so much of Triple H yeah. and Michaels by that point. And they had seen so much of The Undertaker and these top guys. And like to see, and even Kurt Angle, like Kurt Angle had just been like, he'd been around for seven years at that point or whatever, six years. So there's what I think. And then there's what the fans obviously wanted. And, and so putting Benoit over at the end was, was the right decision just to get the pop. And this is, this is around the time I started to get back into wrestling. It was around middle of 2004. So it was after WrestleMania 20. It was right before Benoit dropped the title to Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Um, so this was right around the era that I started getting back into it. And looking back at it, then I was always pumped because by the time I, so when I just put myself back into wrestling and I heard Chris Benoit was world heavyweight. I was like, Chris Benoit, like from WCW, like what has he done to get over? Yeah. Like what? I would never expect him to be win- winning a Royal Rumble, let alone and then being the main event and winning the title at WrestleMania. I-, I was shocked by that. Can't cut a promo. No, can't really cut a promo. He's a great submission guy. He's, he's, he had some problems and that was for sure. Uh, no one thought they'd be that severe, I think, but I-, I think it's easy to say, like you said, it's easy to say that, yeah, it could, it should have just been Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels basically thrusted himself into the match from the scripted side of signs, the contract. So now I'm on the bill. Um, but I, I do think it's a very cool moment to see Eddie and Chris Benoit together. If we can take away what Chris Benoit did, and, and, and I shouldn't say that we should just sweep it under the rugs. It shouldn't be. So what he did was one of the worst things I've ever heard. Um, it's a very poignant moment. And even I got like a little teary eyed watching them together embrace because yeah, it, it is, it is a significant moment. You can tell. Yeah. I mean, he, everything that Jim Ross said is true. Like he grinded his whole career. He was an, he was kind of an. Not an afterthought, but just one of those workers that you would put in the middle of the card or the low end of the card and just Mr. Reliable and yeah. devoted his whole life. For for some additional listening and viewing, there's a great series that Vice has produced. It's like, I don't know, there's probably 20 episodes now. The Dark Side of the Ring. And they do a two-part episode on Chris Benoit. Mm. And it's it's sad. It's It's dark, obviously. And the main theme was just how close him and Eddie Guerrero were, that they were just like obsessed with their work yeah. and ignored all things that they needed to take care of in their personal lives and both died way too early for different reasons. I mean, Eddie Guerrero died like a year later. Yeah. Or maybe two two years later, whatever it was, a, it was. It was about a year and a half later. And then Chris Benoit, I think, was more like 07 or 08, somewhere, mm-hmm. in, the, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So this was really, this was the peak, like that moment for both Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, it was their peak. They yeah. were both champions. On the Eddie Guerrero front, so I I loved like his character was so great oh. and underappreciated. The lie, cheat, steal, mm-hmm. and it comes to fruition. He he unlaces his boot, and Kurt Angle. It was a little clunky because Kurt Angle was like was like trying to rip his boot off because yeah. he couldn't get the boot off. But put the ankle lock submission on. Oh, Eddie sneaks out the back door of his boot and then rolls Kurt Angle up or whatever. 
Um, and, and he wins that way. But this was an amazing match. I don't know if it goes down as like one of the 10 best matches in WrestleMania history by any means. But like it's a great match. Kurt Angle is back to being healthier than he was a year before because he had the surgery. And I went down an Eddie Guerrero rabbit hole after this on WWE Network. Have you ever seen later on in 2004, I think it might have been just a couple months later, Judgment Day? When JB, so JBL emerges from this WrestleMania. Yeah. He goes from being Bradshaw as part of the Acolyte Protection Agency, and they morph him into this John Bradshaw Layfield, different haircut. He's the rich Republican. <laughs> Yeah, I think he, he used to make appearances like on Fox Business yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I think uh, the Mad Mad Money Show, CNBC. That? Yeah, yes, he used to come on that all the time. Yeah, so you had like JBL giving financial advice to people during this era, and so they're trying to put JBL over, and they have a match at Judgment Day between Eddie Guerrero and JBL. Have you ever seen this match? Yeah, the bloodiest match in the history yeah. of wrestling. Yes, it's, it's so insane. gross. It is pretty gross. It's it's like it's like so over the top that it kind of takes away from the match because it's like, geez, <laughs> is he gonna die? Yeah. Like, what's happening? Uh, but I so I went down an Eddie Guerrero rabbit hole. Awesome. I just love his character. I mean, yeah, Viva La Rasa and all the stuff about it. It was awesome. Everyone wanted to be like Eddie. I mean, and Eddie, you know, was like this smaller guy, obviously extremely jacked. Like the dude had yeah. muscles on his muscles. Um, but I loved his style, and he was. I mean, I, again, I remembered him from WCW, and when I again the the first wrestling SmackDown, I threw myself into was the SmackDown after Great American Bash, and that's when JBL gets the title. So, like, my first SmackDown in, like, four or five years is JBL's first night as champion That's on funny. SmackDown. So, and which which started, like, off a 10-month reign, and, and he was the longest and is the longest SmackDown champion, I think, in history. Um, so, this to see the final kind of, like, piece of the backstory before I am now enthralled over the next two years, which I am in these next WrestleMania 21 and 22, it's, it's interesting to see that backstory. And Eddie was, yeah, a, a humongous fan favorite and was definitely taken far too soon. On the Benoit front, so he he didn't carry the title that long. He carried it to SummerSlam, and you mentioned Randy Orton beats him at SummerSlam with an RKO out of nowhere. Yeah, classic. And you'll notice at the end, this, there's so much great follow-up watching yeah. during this era. At the end of SummerSlam, mm-hmm. Evolution doesn't come out to celebrate with him. It was right. just Randy Orton in the ring crying by himself, and at one point Chris Benoit walks up to him and sticks his hand out, and they shake hands. Yeah, he says, right? be a man. Yeah. Be a man. Be a man. Be a man. Be a man. Yeah. And shakes his hand. And that was kind of Orton was kind of moving from like this cowardly bad guy to to kind of turning into a good guy. And the next night on Monday Night Raw was the infamous evolution comes out to celebrate. And yeah, Randy, this is great. And Batista puts Randy up on his shoulders and Triple H is given the thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> and then they turn on Randy Orton. And, and I think, Great. too, from what the other backstory is, like, they they made a mistake giving Randy that opportunity. Like, that that championship. Like, it wasn't even just, like, a quick transitional thing. Like, he wasn't ready for it, I believe is what I have heard about in the evolution background is yeah. they tried to get Randy over, and it, it, they were pure too quick on it. Like, eventually, obviously, Randy Orton is now, like, what, like a 10-time champion I, I think it's more than that I think it's I think his shtick is pretty old, but like yeah. they were still they were like a year or two premature of making him essentially the face of the company, and they abandoned it quick and basically hand, handed the title back to Triple H a month later. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, could they have played out the evolution thing another year? It had already been going on for like a year and a half by that point, right? So I don't know what else they could have done. You know, DX didn't last that long. No, it really didn't. DX. Well, the the second incarnation of DX, the the Raw after WrestleMania fourteen. It was basically over like a year later, and then they kind of came back, and they've come back a couple times. But it's hard to keep factions alive for more than like two years. Right. 
Four Horsemen's been around off and on for for a long time. I mean, even the Shield with those guys, that was like an off and on five year thing too. Like one would leave, one they would they would break up, then they come back together. Like yeah. you're definitely right. Stables really only last a few years. Um, what did you think of Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena? <laughs> I actually think it's some of his best work. Uh, I I almost think he peaked when he was like 25 years old as a doctor of thugonomics. It's definitely like cringy as in like this wankster white boy trying to come out here and rap. And like I definitely – I'm trying to remember how I truly felt about it because it's probably easy for me to say at 27 like what is this jokester doing? I was probably all in on it like as a 12-year-old. I probably thought it was the coolest thing. Here's this like random little white guy rapping. Like I probably did really in my deep heart of hearts think it was great. Um, the match is really good with Big Show and him coming out and doing all those raps and stuff. It it it's impressive. He was he you can I'm tell he's gonna be a face quick. Wrestling the Big Show, this whole thing's a charade. My match is with the hippo float from the Macy's parade. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, he called Big Show a hippo at the Macy's and parade. and yeah, he gets into some really good iconic matches here. And obviously by next year he's in the he he wins the WWE Championship. But this is. This is yeah the slow build and you could see it just coming to fruition really quickly. Yeah, he was he was hot. Um, there's just a great behind the scenes story of him. He came out. It was sometime in 2002, like yeah. two, like probably a year and a half beforehand, or maybe two years beforehand, and he came out as the what was the Vince McMahon gave the it was the Kurt Angle Invitational thing I think is what it was. He did like the ruthless open aggression was his yep. yeah ruth oh but ruthless aggression yeah yep. <laughs> And he and he so he came out of the gate hot with his ruthless aggression thing, but there just wasn't really a character behind it. And so this was him developing a character for the first time, and then he kind of evolved it into like, I guess it would be like the cartoonish superhero John Cena. Yeah. A couple of years later, so he was no longer doing the rapping thing. He would just wear like bright T-shirts and jorts, and and he loved the military yeah. and stuff. And and that was and that that played well in the moment. And my beef with John Cena was always like. He literally still dresses the same way yeah. that he did as a character 13, 14 years ago. Right. And he and he's in his 40s and he's got longer hair now and he just he's just very much still the same guy. Yeah, I don't know who told him like this evolution of like, like let's give you a dad haircut. Like what are we what are we doing? Like I understand to flip it up but like you look worse. Like yeah, you don't even dude. look worse. I don't know who told you to do that. The uh, dad haircut. The dad yeah. haircut. It's total dad. For your like C level movies. Oh. He's he's basically become Diet the Rock yeah, Wayne he's Johnson. Di- he is totally the Diet Rock. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. Which did. is funny because he made fun of the Rock and we'll get into the, as we make our way through the WrestleManias, we will get to eventually the late 20s where they had their back to back matches at WrestleMania but mm-hmm. he spent years Years dissing The Rock because The Rock abandoned wrestling for Hollywood, yeah. and now John Cena is literally trying to do the exact same thing the last three years, but with far less success. Far less success, and like maybe I think Cena thought that like because because we've talked about before like The Rock's peak was really only like four or five years. He was involved yeah. before then, like he was in WWF for basically a decade before he truly left. Um, but John was around for a little longer too, and I think maybe that's where the beef is. But John was definitely biting off more than he could chew. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to play a couple more sound bites here. Do I it. forgot to play. The, I, I just love playing these sound bites. So this is Eddie, Eddie Guerrero winning from what we just talked about. Tap out. Just tap out. Eddie just Eddie go off. Just tap it. Wait a minute. The boom is flying. The boom came off. Michael Cole wasn't as bad. I feel no. like Michael Cole, I don't know, I've just gotten sick of Michael yeah, Cole over I, 20 years. I think, again, it's another one. His just style hasn't, as years have gone on, it's gotten stale. 
It's just, and and yeah. that's hard as a broadcaster. It's hard to read. You know, as I've ripped Dick Bramer before, like it's it's hard to really own that craft like that. And uh, at the time, though, I will say, yes, he was very good. And him and Taz, I mean, Taz has his moments, too, where it's like, Taz, what the hell did you just say? That yeah. kind of a doof. But they played off really well for each other for those first couple years. I actually think Taz is kind of one of the great what-if stories if he hadn't broken his neck yeah, and hadn't sure. gotten knocked out of wrestling. I think he was primed to be a huge star in the early 2000s. I, yeah, he was, he was probably, I, I, I don't know it well enough, so maybe I'm speaking out of context, but like he was probably on a Mount Rushmore BCW. I yeah. mean, he might be the fourth member, but he, he he was one of the stables in ECW. His entrance music and his gimmick of oh. the human suplex machine, just this unstoppable force. I love it. Yeah. And I don't mind him as an announcer either. Um, okay, other things here. The Rock comes back. The Rock was on a hiatus basically from, I want to say, SummerSlam up until the run-up to this WrestleMania. Right. And uh, this was his last WrestleMania for a good seven years or so. Because Mick Foley, The Rock, hasn't said this in a long time, but finally, The Rock has come back to New York City! <laughs> you see, Mick Foley, it's our night. It's our night. Let's go out there and electrify as only you and The Rock can. Let's go out there, slap the lips off those evolution sons of bitches, <laughs> what the candy asses. If you're some man, what The Rock and Sock is cooking. This where it all begins again. Oh, look out, Randy! And, oh, Randy Orton! Oh, oh, get him out of nowhere! Get him out of nowhere! Classic RKO. <laughs> Classic RKO. The RKO and R. There's some. There's been some great RKOs out of nowhere over the years, oh, man. There's a whole. I've gone on YouTube rabbit holes like. Twice a year, I go top 10 RKOs, and I'll yes. just go all the way down them. I think my favorite, if I remember, he fought, was it for the Intercontinental Championship? He fought Seth Rollins, I want to say, like five years ago at a WrestleMania, early on. It might have been the first match on the card. And it was when Seth first had developed the curb stomp. Yeah. And if I remember right, Seth went for the, so Randy Orton's on all fours, and Seth goes for the curb stomp. So he, he comes up in the air, and he puts his foot on Randy's head. And Randy gets up, and so it looks like he's he's going to give him the curb stomp. And on the way up, Randy Orton gets up mid curb stomp and just reverses it into an RKO out of nowhere. I, probably probably my favorite of all. Time. I think the two that stand out the most are Shannon Moore, if you know who that one is. Yeah, uh, Shannon Moore goes for the the shooting star press. That's right, when dude. Randy's oh on the ground and comes up like. I'm How sure they practice that? that, but I I don't think you could hit that any more perfect. That one was awesome. And then next year at WrestleMania 21 when it's Orton versus Taker. I don't know if you've seen that before. Yeah. But that's another one where I think he goes for a last ride or a, or a, or a choke slam and Randy reverses it and RKO's Undertaker completely out of nowhere and you think he's going to win. It, it, is, it is a pretty fascinating finisher. I love it. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's, like a, it's like the Stone Cold Center for us. It really is. So this was, this was evolution was, was still sort of uh, you know, riding the wave a little bit here. And this is before the full peak of Randy Orton. Uh, so they, in a handicap match, beat Mick Foley and The Rock. Um, Mick Foley also then, I want to say, was at the next pay-per-view. He wrestled Randy Orton in some kind of a hardcore match yeah. where Randy Orton wound up taking a shirtless bump on the thumbtacks. Yes. But still won the match. Correct. But but it was the famous, like, he was, like, convulsing and yeah. bleeding oh, and blood so right gross. on his back. Yeah, you could tell, Ugh. like, there's thumbtacks thumb all over him. Ugh, we man, also get, good. like, this is Mick Foley coming back. Was basically He was basically there to put Randy Orton over and then to put Edge over the next year. Because I think it was WrestleMania 21 where Mick takes the bump through the flaming table against yes. Edge yes. in a hardcore match. That's correct. 
So that's going to be awesome. Maybe oh, yeah. that was WrestleMania 20. I think it's 22 because 21, he, uh, he's in the money in the bank. But okay. yes, it, it, that does start a new feud for him. Um, all right, let's get to Goldberg against Brock Lesnar. So this is what happened. Lesnar and Goldberg somewhat hesitant to lock up, neither wanting to step to the center or neither have at least yet. So you had, this is the internet era now, it's 2004, and so dirt sheets get leaked out. This is, pretty much everyone had the internet by 2004. Dirt sheets were still in play in the 90s and the 80s, but it was mostly like dark corners of wrestling crowds. And so word had leaked out that Goldberg's contract was ending at WrestleMania, that it was a one-year contract, and word had leaked out that Brock Lesnar was going to go make his attempt to play in the NFL. And obviously we in Minnesota watched that whole thing play out in the summertime, and he was more interested in fighting opposing players than he was like actually getting good at football. But the crowd knew that these guys were both gone. And these guys are both just like, they're mad at the crowd reaction. Yeah. They're egotistical. And so they just circled around for like eight minutes mm-hmm. to start this match. And Stone Cold, the guest referee. Yeah. So it winds up that Stone Cold just stuns the crap out of everybody. And, and he's the one that goes, you know, goes over at the end, basically. But what did you think of this match, if you want to call it a match? Yeah, I mean they they basically just packed it in. You could tell it was an awkward awkward situation, knowing that Brock was basically leaving at his not even really getting to his true peak yeah. uh, in the middle of it, two years into his tenure, um, and he's going to go play football. Goldberg again, I think. Like I, I want to say that they again misused Goldberg because of how dominant he was in WCW, but I also think maybe the better way to look at it is that Goldberg just got again when we talk about guys getting stale, it just it didn't work. It didn't, didn't, did not work. And they do this every, like, what, every other year, even currently, they'll bring back Goldberg for a random little title run where he beats someone yeah. in 90 seconds. And it's just yeah. like. That match against the. First of all, he can't. Goldberg cannot physically wrestle for more than three minutes now. He gets blown up. Yeah. And he almost, and it, he almost killed, killed yeah. The Undertaker. I mean, it, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. When he first came back, it was kind of cool. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And, and, he, and he winds up beating Brock Lesnar, and so that was that was kind of cool. But like every time they dust him off now, it's like, all right, it's not let's good. be done with it. Um, but yeah, you can tell the match is pretty clunky. And if Stone, if this was a non-sanctioned special referee, so if it was just a normal referee, I don't think this match would have gone over very well at all. So like you needed Stone Cold. Because even, uh, even when Goldberg hits his finisher and pins him one, two, three, Goldberg's up on the turnbuckle drinking beer, and everyone's just booing him. Like yes. even, everyone's just like, dude, get out of here. Like we all know what, like everyone knew that Stone Cold was going to stunner him too. Like yes. it was just inevitable and you needed that. And I think it was more the theatrics and just like, hey, here's our, these two guys that are essentially failed products by us and uh, we're going to let the fans turn on them. Yeah. The only guy that I would really like to see, like I'm, I think we've brought everyone back that needs to be brought back at this point from that general era of wrestling. Um, Like I, I don't need to see Shawn Michaels wrestle again. I know he came back for the Saudi Arabia yeah. thing a couple of years ago. Like I don't need to see him again. No. The one guy, and, and this is a, a couple years after this period when this guy became popular, I would mark out to see CM Punk come down a ramp. Oh, yeah. Either AEW or WWE. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like AEW is the better fit there for him, but the bigger moment would be WWE. Yes. If he came back and wrestled Triple H or something, could, like, could you imagine? And they play like, that thing out. Even like Roman Reigns, even someone current, I think it could definitely work. Yes. And he, and he kind of teased it when he when he came back for uh, the debut of WWE on Fox, SmackDown on Fox. He came back as part of the Fox analyst crew on like Wednesday nights or something. Right. Um, okay, a couple other things to get you here. 
Shawn Michaels is emerging into, in this match was excellent. Oh, that's great. But Shawn Michaels kind of overshadowed by the Chris Benoit story and Triple H being champion and, the, and basically the face of the company. So Michaels was kind of like the third guy in that match. But this opens the door for the resurrection of Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, yep. Mr. Mr. Showstopper. And you get a run now of Shawn Michaels WrestleMania matches. Mm. The Kurt, well, you already had the Jericho one from the year before. Triple threat match for the title here. You get the Kurt Angle one coming up, which I still have never seen in oh, its entirety. Oh, God. I have goosebumps so excited. right now. The one that gives me goosebumps is the match against The Undertaker. The first one? Yes. The first They're one, both yeah. excellent, They're both but great. the first one is yep. maybe the greatest match in the history of wrestling. It might be, yeah. And he just goes on this run. He also wrestled John Cena for the title at a main event in yeah. like 2006 or something. Yep. So, um, so you you had just kind of gotten back into wrestling as Shawn Michaels was just getting back into being Mr. Showstopper, right? This was this was fun as hell because I loved Shawn Michaels as a kid, um, and to see him come back in this match because I think even at the time I was thinking like what what is he doing? Like he's the third guy. He's had this run with Triple H for a year and a half, and like he's he he came up successful once in the Elimination Chamber, but outside of that, Triple H has had his number. Like, what are they going to do with Shawn Michaels? Like, what's the point? And it turns out, like, he literally makes this match why it's so great. Like, it, he really, really does. The, the, the chin music that he gives to Strickler here. Okay, Jim Ross is so ridiculously so good. good. Who thinks to who thinks in that moment where they're about to put Chris Benoit through a table? Who thinks to call it not like based on what's going to happen, but based on they haven't said a word. They just looked at each other in the eye and they knew what to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, he's so good. He's he's super good. And there's even a moment too where Benoit's in the cross face and he's clearly about. And this is where him and Triple H work so damn well together. Where like he's about to tap, and then Triple H reaches and grabs his wrist, like he's trying to tap, and and Triple H is preventing the hand from really slapping oh. the mat to submit. And yeah, Michaels, even the moon, there's a the, the moon salt early in the match where he takes out both of them. Like p- people can rip Shawn Michaels and stuff, and like I I don't understand why it's just because like oh because he loses all his matches. It's not about the wins and losses. It's yeah. about the performance. Like he goes on a run here where it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible, and he challenges the best of the best. And there's a reason why he's considered one of the best performers of all time. Yeah. And study up if you're a young wrestler out there and you're randomly Seriously. listening to this podcast, like just the storytelling and everything and the physical feats that these guys are pulling off. Uh, the other match we haven't really touched on is Undertaker versus Kane. It's the second time these guys, I think the second time they square off. Yep. The first one was at WrestleMania 14 mm-hmm. in in Boston. So the Undertaker had been... Some amalgamation of the American badass, or just like a less not Undertaker version. Yeah, he's yeah. not the he was he was. It had been like five years since he had been the mm-hmm. Dead Man mm-hmm. by this point, and. Uh... Oh, yeah! <laughs> 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 
Paul Bear makes his return. Dude, th- that pop of the crowd when he did the, the oh yes, like because everyone oh, knows. Yeah. Everyone knows he's coming back essentially as the dead man character, but I don't think anyone saw the Paul Bear part yeah, coming. That's great. So like the fact he comes back and you get that pop from it, oh, it works so well. And I actually, I think I think a lot of people look at the ABA Undertaker like, what was he doing there? It's a forgotten part, and it's it's a lost part of his career. I like completely disagree. I thought it was awesome. I really did, especially like the last few years of it. Um, dead man walking, like I thought it was awesome the way he would come out to the ring and stuff, and he was this new character, and he touches on it too that like. He needed something different. I agree. And that's why it's cool, I think, with the AJ Styles match, the the last match at WrestleMania, which was apparently his last match ever, that he incorporates all three phases of that, especially as ABA. He basically is dressed like ABA. Yep, with the darker hair yeah. and got the motorcycle. So, like, so he definitely still looks at it as like it was a positive part in my career. And the story building up to this was uh, the Undertaker was buried alive by Kane, the American yeah. badass Undertaker at Survivor Series. Correct. In it November, was, it was Undertaker versus Vince in a buried alive match after like Vince had been like tormenting Undertaker's life and career for the last match or for the last like few months leading into that. So then he disappears in November and then makes some sporadic. I believe it's yeah Royal Rumble. He makes his like first kind of like ominous appearance and he messes with Kane at the Rumble to get him eliminated. Yep. And Kane does a great job. He's just like, at the beginning of this match, he's like, no, yeah, I buried you. I, I buried you. I think this is like the best, I even wrote it down, like, it's the best Undertaker promo, like the pre-match promo. I think it's the best of his Mania career run. And this entrance, I think, is by far his best entrance. Like the return and the ominous fact of the dead man, yeah. I think it's his number one. What's your general feeling about Kane? Because I feel like, so Kane, and then if you include the fact that he was, Dr. Isaac Yankum, the dentist, yeah. and he was the the other Diesel. He's been around for 25 or 30 years with the WWE. He's been around for, and, and he hasn't really been Kane recently because he's he's the mayor of Knox. Yeah, he's a mayor Knox, of like County, Tennessee, Tennessee somewhere. So he's, but he was, he was 20 years, he was Kane. And he really only had like one or two short title runs. Yep. They, they essentially, um, you know, they brought him in as like this monster heel and then kind of killed him off in that he just got beat twice by the Undertaker at WrestleMania and then in the Inferno match, right? Right. So they kind of they kind of killed his like monster heel momentum within the first year of bringing him in. But then he had a, a, the longevity is there. He, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's not anywhere near the Mount Rushmore. No. People got sick of him multiple times, but he's always just kind of been there as a monster heel. Yeah, he's definitely just a gimmick. Like, um, I look at him and Big Show in, like, the same retrospect of just, like, all right, the now show is like, how are you going to beat him? How are you going to eliminate this guy? Like, well, he gets eliminated every year, and yeah. he gets beat every year. He right. Like, he doesn't have that Mark much. Mark Henry became that, too, at Exactly, one point. and that's yeah. where I kind of look at, um like, the current women's division, like, with Nia Jax, like, Nia Jax is clearly the most physically dominating person in, in the women's evolution, yeah. but she's not over and she's not really even of, like the top five women's wrestlers. Like she's based, like I always say, like she's she reminds me of female Kane. Like she's just, she's a force and like at Royal Rumbles and, and matches like in that style, she's going to look great and the, and the crowd will love her, but she'll never be the crown jewel and like the face of the company. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, are we missing anything else before we get to the definitive Mania rankings here? Uh, d- d- I think just a few other things. I actually really enjoyed the Cruiserweight Championship match. I love the Cruiserweight division at this time. It was it, Again, that was a short-lived thing that they adopted from WCW that Stephanie McMahon 
implemented. Um, and you got to see even some of the WCW guys get like their little WWF moment. Obviously, like Ultimo Dragon, he was a huge cruiserweight in there for a while. Rey Mysterio is the most notable one. But you had guys like, obviously, Funaki and Jamie Noble. Jimmy, even, Jimmy Yang was in this one yeah. as Akio. And Billy Kidman is actually like one of my fa- like low-key one of my favorite wrestlers, too. And he has a nice little performance here with his uh, Kidman bomb, and he did a great shooting star press. So actually, I really enjoyed uh, the cruiserweight match. But yeah, I, I think it's a pretty dang good WrestleMania, man, from top yeah. to bottom. The Playboy evening gown match is I, like the it's it's like the lowest point in terms of WWE's yeah. uh, approach to how they featured women, right? Totally. And and it sucks because between Sable and uh, and Trish Stratus was not in this match, and neither was Lita, and they probably would have just said screw you. Yeah. But they had some amazing talents that could absolutely hang with right. the talent that's out there today. Even Victoria and Molly Holly, like same yeah. thing. Like they they had the capabilities of doing the same thing. Yep, Molly Holly, by the way, from Minnesota. That's right. Shout out. And then uh, the the last thing too, I wrote down too was I had, I remembered seeing that crossface, and me and my buddies and my brother used to put like that Crippler's crossface hurts like <laughs> hell, dude. I've been put in so many and tapped out of so many Crippler crossfaces from wrestling with my buddies as a kid. It is, uh, God, it's Chris Benoit, man. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it feels uncomfortable talking about him, but it's it like, is. you know, the, the, we're talking about the art that was WrestleMania 20, I mm-hmm. guess. So, all right, definitive WrestleMania rankings here, one through 10 scoring system. You and I clearly leaning toward the end of the 90s and early 2000s here. So we have ranked them. WrestleMania 19 and 18 are tied for the best. The last two are the best ones we've watched. WrestleMania 17, 14, WrestleMania 10, 13, and 15 make up the top seven right now, followed by WrestleMania 6, WrestleMania 8, and WrestleMania 12. And some people might be thinking, where's WrestleMania 3? The main event is iconic. Steamboat Savage is iconic. It's two and a half hours of mostly... Stuff that doesn't hold up. Yeah. So I would. I, I think it's a nine and a half, man. It's almost. Wow, it's, it's not. Dude. It's not completely a ten. I give this a nine and a half. I think it's the best. I know we've gone best WrestleManias these last two. Um, and a short tease like twenty one is my all time favorite, and I'm guessing it still holds up. So I I give this a nine and a half. I think it's a really really good WrestleMania. It's just awkward because of the Benoit factor. Yeah. Like looking back on it, it and I can and I completely understand why someone would then drop it down a few picks because of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pump your brakes a little because of the Benoit factor, okay. but only to an eight, which gives it a score of eight point seven five, which makes it the best WrestleMania that we have reviewed to this point. Okay. So yeah, I mean it's it's you had in terms of like iconic moment, it's one of the most remembered endings to a WrestleMania with the confetti falling on a crying Chris Benoit. When you think of what are the WrestleMania, the end of WrestleMania is that you remember, and I think Daniel Bryan, yep, Hogan Andre. Mm-hmm. Ultimate Warrior over Hogan, Chris Benoit for sure. I think Stone Cold too going over for the first time. Yeah, and, the Michaels and and yeah, yeah, I think of that too. Boyhood Dream, Shawn Michaels, right. WrestleMania twelve. Yep, and there's probably some other ones too that are in that mix. But like this is one of the most rem- like memorable endings to a WrestleMania for sure. That we're gonna find. So all right, that's a wrap on. I can't wait for twenty one. The greatest WrestleMania ever, apparently, to this point. Yeah. Yeah, okay, just a, a quick preview of WrestleMania 21. I started watching this also last weekend. WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Yep. Staples Center, Los Angeles. This is the last WrestleMania that I did not watch. I, I then, so I, I was a wrestling fan from 1990 when I first remember watching it as a kid up until like 2000. So a good 10-year run through the beginning of the Attitude Era. 
and then I was out until SummerSlam 2005 because I remember the Michaels Hogan stuff from the summer of 2005. Yep. And then I was back in for the fall of 2005. So this is the first WrestleMania I ever saw start to back live. Okay. So this was like, wow. I, remember, I remember going to my buddy's house, and I think it was like the end of spring break, so we had like the Monday off of school, or beginning of spring break, so we had the Monday off of school, and we pulled an all-nighter and watched this. It was awesome. It's, it's my favorite WrestleMania by yeah, far. Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, they went almost a half hour, which yep. is insane in this day and age. You had Batista, Triple H, John Cena versus JBL for the WWE Championship. You also had Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero in a singles match here. So all kinds of stuff. And the debut, wait. maybe the most, maybe the biggest thing on this card, the WrestleMania debut of Chris Masters. That's right. Yeah. The master lock. And the, uh, and the debut of the Money in the Bank ladder match. That that's starts right. starts at 21-2. Yeah. So this is, I can't wait. Taker really Orton, wait. the legend killer. All right. Uh, that, that's, that's a wrap on this episode of WrestleMania Rewind. Whether it's Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Fred Meyer has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.